0: Welcome to Shortcut to Slim, a research-based podcast on dieting and nutrition brought to you by GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon, and in this episode, we're learning about the new science of mindsets and how a single shift in thinking can improve your health even years into the future. This episode will make you think twice about your beliefs, from placebos to self-fulfilling prophecies. Perceptions matter, and those perceptions can work for you or against you. In the last episode, you learned that what drives your behavior is how you think, that how you think determines what you do. So in order to change what you do, to change your behavior, to perform better, you have to change your thoughts. And this is difficult because anything that challenges what you already believe makes you feel unsafe. Even if what you believe is wrong, it makes you feel safe to still believe it because it's familiar. For example, let's say you believe you are weak and lack self-control. You even tell yourself this, uh, I have no self-control. That belief is wrong. I can prove it. Do you slap every person who irritates you? Of course you don't. This proves that you have self-control. Or maybe you say, Ugh, I can't commit to anything, I'm so weak. That belief is wrong too. If you're married or you bought a house or you have a job or a kid or a turtle, you're committed. But it's uncomfortable for you to hear this. We feel blame, guilt, and shame when we go against what we believe or what we have already accepted as truth. Behavior is a symptom. You can regulate your behavior with training, but it takes incredible effort day in and day out you're also never completely in control that way. This much is evident when we compare workdays to weekends. As soon as something comes between you and how you regulate your behavior, well, there goes control. Being in control of the thoughts that drive your behavior, that's the real control. And that's what this episode is about. How you think about something transforms the effect it has on you. This applies even to our physical reality, Physical reality is more subjective than we believe. Here, I'll show you. Stand up and extend your right arm out like you're pointing at something. Now twist around to point behind you, twisting as much as you can without moving your feet. Take a look, see what you're pointing at. All right, come back to center. Now I want you to close your eyes, imagine the spot you were just pointing to, and while your eyes are still closed, twist around and point back to that spot. All right, open your eyes look at how much farther you twisted. Crazy, right? Even our physical reality is more subjective than we believe. This is the field of mindset science. By changing how you think about an experience, you change what happens inside your body. Here's one of my favorite studies. Researcher Aliyah Crum recruited housekeepers at seven hotels across the United States. Now, we've all cleaned a toilet, scrubbed a shower, dusted, vacuumed, and we know that cleaning is taxing work, but yet most of us don't think of it as exercise. Actually, most people only consider exercise something that happens in a gym or at a cardio class or where you're wearing Lululemon pants and sneakers, but guys... Exercise happens when you cook, play with your kids, walk your dog, wash your car, walk around the mall. Basically, anytime you move your body in any fashion, you're exercising. You're all exercising, I promise. But coming back to the housekeeping, in terms of workouts, housekeeping is one of the best. Housekeeping burns over 300 calories an hour, putting it on par with weightlifting, water aerobics, and speed walking. So these housekeepers, they're doing this for eight hours a day. I work with a few pro athletes, and except for my mountaineer, none of them train this much. Anyway, at the start of the study, two-thirds of the housekeepers believed they weren't exercising regularly, and one-third said they got no exercise at all. And their bodies reflected this perception. The average housekeeper's blood pressure and body weight were exactly what you'd expect from someone who's sedentary, meaning someone who sits at a desk all day. At four of the hotels, Crum told the housekeepers that they were exercise superstars. She gave a quick presentation on how making beds, bending over to pick up towels, pushing heavy carts, that all of this work required tons of strength and stamina. She also put up posters in the break room that said the same information and also included how certain activities burn so many calories. For example, cleaning a bathroom for 15 minutes burns 60 calories. And this was all around for the maids and the housekeepers to see. At the other three hotels, which was the control group, Crumb told the housekeepers exercise was important for health, but they were not told that their work qualified as exercise. It was just like, hey guys, if you wanna be healthy, don't forget to exercise. The results were mind blowing. After four weeks, the housekeepers who were told that their job made them exercise superstars had lost weight and body fat. Their blood pressure also lowered and they liked their jobs more. They hadn't joined a gym. They hadn't gone on a diet. The only thing that changed was their perception. They saw themselves as exercise superstars. The housekeepers in the control group showed no improvement. Crumb's hypothesis is that when two outcomes are possible, your expectations influence which outcome is more likely. She believes that the housekeeper's perception of their work as healthy exercise instead of hard on their body like they originally thought, that this new identity of being an exercise superstar instead of sedentary, all of this together transformed the effect their actions had on their body. In other words, the effect you expect is the effect you get. Here are two other super cool studies on this. In mindless eating, did you really think I was gonna go a whole season without fangirling on one sink again? Anyway, in mindless eating, there was a fascinating story of sailors in Jello. Billy was a World War II Navy cook, and during one particularly long tour, whoops, he accidentally ordered twice as much lemon jello and no cherry jello. Seems like small potatoes to us, but apparently that sort of thing can cause a riot on the ship. Apparently on one occasion, a fight broke out. So Billy got creative and added red food coloring to the lemon jello. It was still lemon flavored, but it looked like cherry. No one missed a beat. Some sailors even thanked Billy for finding the cherry jello. And this wasn't a one-time thing either. It was a really long tour, and so Billy did this trick a few more times. No one suspected a thing. Psychologists call this expectation assimilation or confirmation bias. I'm going to dig deeper into expectation assimilation and confirmation bias deeper in a future episode, but for now, in the case of food, this means that our taste buds are biased by our imagination and by our perception. Lansing has some other really great examples in his book, including feeding people's Campbell tomato soup at a very fancy French restaurant, everyone thinking it's the best, most luxurious soup they've ever had, even though it's Campbell's from a can, or how they switched wines between bottles and people would always think, oh, that one's better because it had a higher price tag when it was actually like the cheap two buck chuck. Uh, and here's another study by Crumb that's really fascinating. And this one really sort of offers an explanation for why Fitbits and calorie tracker apps plus diets with free or unlimited foods like Weight Watchers can be so sabotaging. In this study, participants entered the lab after an eight-hour fast. On the first visit, they were given a chocolate milkshake that was labeled as indulgence, decadence you deserve, with a nutrition label that showed it had 620 calories and 30 grams of fat. A week later, the participants entered the lab again after another eight hour fast and were given another milkshake. This one labeled Sensi Shake, guilt-free satisfaction with 140 calories and zero grams of fat. So it was basically a diet milkshake. As the participants drank the milkshakes, blood samples were taken. Crumb measured the levels of ghrelin, the hunger hormone you learned about in episode one of this season. For a quick recap, when blood levels of ghrelin go down, you feel full, and when ghrelin goes up, you feel hungry and look for food. Ghrelin's opposite is leptin. When leptin goes up, you feel satiated, and when leptin goes down, you don't. Here's how this hormonal dance is supposed to work. When you eat something high in calories or fat, ghrelin drops dramatically. And with a lower calorie or a lower fat food, this would have less impact. The ghrelin wouldn't drop as much. So one would expect a decadent milkshake and a diet milkshake to have very different effects on ghrelin levels, and they did. Drinking the diet shake led to a small decline in ghrelin, while the indulgent shake produced a much bigger drop. But here's the thing, it was all a sham. The participants drank the same shake both times. There should have been no difference in how the participants' digestive tracts responded, and yet when they perceived that the shake was an indulgent treat, their ghrelin levels dropped three times as much as when it was the diet drink. Did this just blow up your mind? Me too. This means if you think something is super low in calories and won't be filling, it won't be. If you don't believe a meal will fill you up, it won't. On the other hand, if you expect fullness, your meal will have that effect. Believe you'll be satisfied and you physically will. This is one reason why we pay attention to volumetrics on the meal plans. We make sure you have big portions so you're halfway there. Maybe now you're starting to see why having free or unlimited foods can create harmful perceptions. I think this also helps explain how tracking or counting calories can take an unhelpful turn. Often tracking starts off as a helpful educational tool, giving people context to make wiser choices, but the more you do it, the more you start to try to game the system. People will look and say, oh, I have 200 calories left. I can go eat a cookie. Never mind that they're not actually hungry and a calorie is not a calorie, so that's creating all kinds of sabotage. Or you'll look at your log and realize you haven't had all that many calories today and so you'll talk yourself into eating or being hungry or going and splurging or eating something that you probably weren't going to but now you think that you can. And I used to have this really bad habit of saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm so hungry until I realized that wasn't helping me. I didn't need to dwell on it even if I actually was hungry. All that did was make me suffer more while I waited for my dinner to finish cooking. And this is also how I became an overeater. It wasn't just all those false eat all you want messages or that I became adapted to eating a ton of volume. It's that when I did not eat as much, I believed before the food even hit my mouth that it wouldn't satiate me because it was diet food or it was less volume. That's hunger by way of self-fulfilling prophecy. Fortunately, you can also flip this into a positive effect. You can tell yourself something's gonna be good and it's gonna satisfy you. In fact, this is why I tell my clients over and over and over again, potatoes are the most satiating food bar none. Eat a potato if you're hungry. It's not only true, potatoes are the most satiating food in the world, but this also creates a perception. They believe if they eat the potato they will be satisfied and then they are. Power to the potatoes. Now. Circling back to Crumb's milkshake study, this shows us that our expectations can alter something as concrete as how much of a hormone our body secretes. Remember back in the first episode when Walkhead said to be brilliant every day, we had to be in control of our feelings, emotions, and physiology, and all of us thought, physiology? Homeboy, be crazy, ain't no way I'm ever going to have control over something like my hormones. Foot, meat mouth. Seriously though, this is pretty awesome. In both of Crumb's studies, when people's perceptions changed, their bodies' responses changed too. Viewing cleaning as exercise instead of hard labor helped the housekeeper's bodies experience the benefits of being active. Likewise, seeing a milkshake as a high-calorie indulgence, even though it wasn't, helped the body produce signals of fullness. Crumb's next study was on stress. Crum wondered if we changed our perception on stress from negative to a positive enhancement, would the effects on our body also be positive? The answer is yes, and the effects are mind-blowing. Your hormones completely change, and this matters because so much about your weight and obesity is controlled by hormones. I'll leave some links in the show notes at GetMealPlans.com slash podcast if you want to dig in more. Bottom line for now. Your perception can totally alter your biochemistry, and that's control, baby. I'm going to dig more into mind sense in the next episode, but where can you go from here for now? What can you take away from all this? Expectation assimilation or confirmation bias works in both directions. If you expect a food to taste bad, it will. If you expect something to not be satiating, it won't satiate you. On the reverse, if you believe a food will satisfy you and you'll love it and you'll thrive, you will. So set positive expectations. And remember that you are already healthy. Say that to yourself every single day. Adopt that mindset. You've been listening to Shortcut to Slim. Download your free research-based seven-day meal plan at getmealplans.com and leave the guesswork and science to me. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. And if you found this podcast helpful, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps.